Hello, friends, and welcome to this very special bonus episode slash announcement episode. If you're not going to listen to the whole thing, at least stick around for the intro. So we are busy working on a project that we will soon be able to announce uh, in the next week or so. So we thought this would be a good time to drop a little bonus episode from our Patreon archives about the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Yes, it's a really, really fun episode. You may have seen a clip of us talking about it on Instagram. And by talking, I mean, it's like one full minute of laughing. Um, (laughs) It's a very good episode. But also, this is a very campy movie. So we're also releasing it right now as a way to announce Twinkle Twinkle Summer Camp. (laughs) You would be asking yourself what summer camp is. And from the beginning of June to the end of August, we are going to be talking about a variety of campy movies that are our personal favorites um, that we will be releasing on our new podcast feed. Yes. So we are retiring the Gaily Prophet. Um, It will obviously still exist for folks to listen to, but we are going to move our two queer nerds talk about media we love content to a new feed that is yet to be named. And if you're a patron... Through the end of this week, you can help us name that podcast um, because we haven't decided yet. So we decided to kick it over to our patrons to to name the new feed. But anyway, once that's out, obviously, we'll tell you in the intro. It'll be on the on the internets. So you'll know where to find it. That's where all of the summer camp stuff will go. But we're also going to backload it with like every non Harry Potter thing we've ever talked about on the Gaily Prophet. So if you're someone who likes listening to us talk about non non wayward son simon snow etc stuff but haven't wanted to go have like the entire gaily prophet feed in your podcast feed now it will all be accumulated for you in one one convenient place yeah it's gonna be awesome um so this is also a reminder that uh we are the gayers our buffy the vampire slayer television show rewatch podcast is now available as a public feed And I think if you like the Simon Snow series, you will enjoy, at the very least, our discussion about season four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer when they're all in college. Mm -hmm. And if you like campy stuff, you also might like our uh, disliking Buffy season four is homophobic mug that we have, (laughs) which is actually what I'm drinking my tea out of right now. It's so beautiful and Literally, I was just like, let me figure out how to make the like worst graphic design nightmare imaginable into a mug. And I succeeded. You really did. I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so pleased by the number of people who have already bought this mug. It feels very validating that it's not just me that thinks that this is hilarious. Yeah. And then before we let you go, we're almost done. We are doing, speaking of summer camp, a contest. Um, we need we need a flyer. We need a summer camp flyer. Something that says summer camp, but also what it actually is, which is us talking about campy movies. It's very open-ended. It We just need graphics for the internet and probably for shirts. And uh, through May 15th, you can send us your submissions 
to hashtag ruthlesspods at gmail.com. And the winner or winners, maybe, who knows, uh, will get like a grab bag of stickers and also a gay people love puns pin. So incentive. And we're very (laughs) excited to see all of your rad art. You can keep track of all these things by following us on our Instagram at hashtag ruthless pods at our website at hashtag ruthless.com. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegaylyprophet. Because it is very hard, it turns out, to change your name on Patreon. Sure is. (laughs) 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 All right. Thank you, everyone. In every generation, there are chosen queers. We alone will stand against the cisheads, the straights, and the forces of darkness. We are the gayers. Hello, and welcome to We Are the Gayers, a podcast where a couple of sorcerers talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today, we are actually talking about the... 1992 Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, which is only tangentially related to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer canon, which we'll discuss. Um, But the movie came first, and we wouldn't probably even have a show without the movie. So True. And I feel like we should just say right up front, this is my first time ever watching this movie. Um, And listeners, if you also have not watched this movie... This is a situation in which I would be like, yeah, go watch it. Yeah, I haven't watched this movie since I was a kid and saw it on like network television because it was in like pretty high rotation on like syndication and like VHS. And I realized that when I saw it when I was younger, I did not like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is part of the reason why I never watched Buffy when it was airing. Cause I'm like, Buffy, you mean that weird movie? Like, why would I want to watch? A show, not of course realizing that tonally it's completely different yeah. and is in fact was a hundred percent up my alley at that time. But but now and now I now this is an excellent movie. <laughs> it's a really good. It's a really good movie. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, it is very cheesy and it's just yeah. And for all of our horror softies out here, this is barely a horror movie. There's like maybe one kind of creepy scene that like, I was like, this is maybe the scariest scene in this movie. And that's it. Everything else is deeply campy. <laughs> yeah, like there's l- less blood in this movie than you will see in like five minutes of taking children trick-or-treating on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Like, like nothing. Yeah, there's actually less violence than in an actual episode of Buffy the yeah. <laughs> which aired on network television (laughs) yeah no it's great anyway for those who haven't seen it in forever or who aren't gonna watch it will you please tell people what happens in this movie all right so uh head cheerleader valley girl buffy thinks that she's in a teen movie but as she learns she is actually a chosen vampire slayer so she's really in an homage to the lost boys Uh, Fans of the show will recognize such Buffy the Vampire staples as Cryptic British Watcher, Slayer Dreams, Queer-Coded Vampires, Wanting to Live a Normal, Not Chosen One Lifestyle, Dark-Haired Soft Boys Killing Vampires, Climatic Fight Scenes at a School Event, 
drama queen big bads, and truly wild 90s looks. Also, prom dress with a leather jacket. Prom dress with a leather jacket. Um, for, for folks who care, this movie is also a who's who of like 90s stars, <laughs> some of which are still very famous, like Hilary Swink, David Sutherland, David Arquette, and Luke Perry, R.I.P. Yep. All right. So obviously we're going to spoil the whole movie. And uh, listeners, come with me now as we enter the bronze, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. And actually what you just said is like my first note here is like just the density of famous people in this movie. And like, I here's what I think like really drives this home is that both Ben Affleck and Ricky Lake are uncredited in this movie. They just yeah. show up and leave and they're not in the credits. Like they each have a line. <laughs> I think Ricky Lake has two lines. Uh Ben Affleck has one line. And what is not part of your list, and I don't know if he's credited, one of the senior, the like senior high schoolers turned vampires who look who are like punked out for the dance, one of them is Seth Green. Yes, correct. He also was on <laughs> on my list, but I was like, I don't think he was famous yet at that point. I don't think he was famous yet either. Although I guess I don't know if Ben Affleck was famous yet in 1992, but just seeing him, he's like a basketball player, listeners. He turns around on the court and like, I don't, my mind kind of like imploded. I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he what? looks exactly the <laughs> same, essentially. <laughs> Like now as he's like gotten older, he's like, you know, he's a little bit fuller in the face, but he basically looks the same. It is truly wild. Yeah. Um, this is also actually Hilary Swank's first movie. This is her, this is what gets her started. She crushed it. She truly did. <laughs> <laughs> I know she's known for her more serious things, but I'm like, put Hilary Swank in some fun shit again. Like, she does a great job. Yeah, she's bringing full, like, I think Kimmy from Saved by the Bell, I think, is yes. the one that she's delivering. Wait, Kimmy is from Full House. Oh, it's... Jesse Is Jessie. anyone Jesse from, yes. from Saved by the Bell? Yes. yes. It's the high ponytail. Whichever one it is with the high ponytail. <laughs> And by high, I mean on top of her head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what a joy. What a joy. Anyway, um, yeah, what do you have first? Um, My first thing also, I think, happens in the first five minutes of this movie, which is, like, such a top-tier joke. I, like, I was just, like, I already know I'm in for a, I'm in for a laugh. In which there's a teen boy walking at night near a carousel, and he's like, "Who's there? Some kind of weirdo?" And then it's fucking Paul Rubens as a vampire. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, uh, Paul Rubens, aka Pee Wee Herman, had uh, this is the first movie he did after being, I think, unjustly arrested for jacking off in a porn movie theater in the 90s which is like kind of the whole point of porn movie theaters right. at the time so it's sort of like what the fuck uh so they have this joke <laughs> as like one of two movies that paul rubens had did post that very deeply publicized i had completely forgotten incident. that that happened wait is he the lead vampire yeah, he's the one with the goatee oh who loses God. his arm. I just was referring to that guy as Nicolas Cage because that's like the vibe that he's giving with like the leather duster and the goatee. Um, I yeah. can't believe I didn't like recognize that that was fucking Pee Wee Herman. 
Yeah, this, and he has a very small role in whatever Batman movie it is with Catwoman and the Penguin. He has like a really brief role, and those like the those are like his two post arrest roles that he did. Interesting. In sort of the immediate aftermath of that, and like honestly, it's great. He's just a gay vampire, which I'm totally here. Yeah. For. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, aesthetically. That vampire is like, and I know that we have an entire aesthetic section, but like, still his look is my also my next note because it's so much. I mean, it's so much. <laughs> it's like triangle eyebrows. They just went so hard on just like <laughs> making everything as like as big and like caricature-y as they possibly could in the, and it's so beautiful the result is just perfect. I know. It's, he's like definitely one of my favorite characters in this movie, hands down. I feel like what I'm learning is that if something is a box office flop, I should probably watch it. Because I feel like everything that we talk about that makes us like really excited because it's just so fun is like reviled. And it's like, oh, just because because people hate fun like just full stop people hate fun but we like fun so we should watch the things that people hate yeah what what i think i always a uh, like terrible swirl cone of misogyny and homophobia mm-hmm. mixed in i think too cuz it's like camp is gay and camp is fun but it's also not a thing that makes big money because a lot of heterosexuals especially heterosexual men don't understand camp yeah uh okay yes what do you have next um this is literally the only other movie where someone refers to boobs as yabos i've ever seen besides hocus pocus Hmm. and i'm like so hocus pocus didn't invent that because it came after this it came after well it's released a year so this is 1992 hocus pocus comes out 93 um, I don't know if there was maybe a similar script ghostwriter who worked on both movies, because I'm just like... How do you spell that? I'm just trying to look it up, but I have no uh, idea so how the you captions, spell the captions of the movie spell it Y-A-B-O-S. Okay. And I think I only noticed that is because the episode about Hocus Pocus on this ends at prom, like, they go into, like, yabos as, like, a really weird word for boobs. And it's like, you don't see that anywhere. So it's like, where did this come from? <laughs> and then to see it here, I'm like, what the fuck? Is this, like, weird, like, 90s Valley Girl speak that got lost somewhere in the sands of time? <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. Um, The line when Pike introduces himself and Buffy's like, that's not a name, it's a fish. it is also excellent coming from a person named buffy Uh (laughs) which is a color slash not a real word i don't know yeah (laughs) it does make me laugh though that then canonically buffy has had a love interest named pike and named spike who both are like james deaning it really hard yeah, it's a yeah. type that she has. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. I was like, literally, 
I was getting some water and like setting up and I'm like, I want them to meet. And I'm like, how do I construct in my head? How would Pike and Spike meet? Oh my <laughs> and God. it's very silly. Cause I'm just like, but I want to write it anyway. You should so I write might. it anyway. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. No, I was thinking the same thing. Cause like, I was like, did, did Joss Whedon just be like, you know, Pike was really great. That name's pretty goofy. We could just put an S on it make him a vampire and reuse the character because that's kind of what happened it is it is very much the vibe <laughs> oh my god i'm so glad i watched this movie okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i had to pause so many times both to look at the the fashion and also just to be like wait i have to google this what has happened <sighs> uh, i think it's your turn I love the training montage Buffy has with Merrick, even though I'm like, where is Merrick living in a like empty museum, like a moldering mansion? Like it looks like he's in like a, it looks like, it looks like they're in a wood paneled, like a dark wood paneled ballroom, but he has like an Ikea twin bed mm-hmm. <laughs> and like a nightstand in it. And I'm just, but it's like also kind of like dusty and like disused looking. So I'm like deeply confused. I got the vibe that he was, like, squatting in a, like, abandoned, very fancy, like, loft apartment. Because the windows are, like, 12 feet tall with these, like, lace curtains. And just kind of felt like somewhere that used to be, like, yeah, like a really fancy loft. And so, like, nothing is, there's no, like, divided rooms or anything. And he's just, for some reason, living there. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're... Yeah. You need somewhere to train a slayer. And also yeah. you're like, you know, a fussy British man. So. You need somewhere with enough space for your slayer to do a lot of uh, tumbling and, and he flips. he didn't have a school library, so. <laughs> did not, did not have a school <laughs> library. <laughs> um, this is not my next thing. I just thought of it, though, because we're talking about Merrick. He has that, like hanky that's like in his sleeve all the time that he sort of just like gets out at random moments is he like like sniffing like laudanum or something like (laughs) some like old-fashioned drug because it never seems like it's very overt every time he does it but it's never obvious why he's doing it and he does it right after he gets stabbed which is like a weird moment to be like let me just sniff my hanky i don't know um i didn't even i'd like yes i like barely noticed that but i now want to be like yes he is definitely huffing something which i mean maybe if you've been reincarnated as a watcher for like a bajillion times maybe you just do need to resort to he drugs seems weary as fuck He's yeah like buffy please kill all of the vampires i'm so tired i just yeah. i just want to be dead all the way yeah that sounds exhausting it does um yes go ahead uh we have a brief scene where we see lothos like grab a kitten from paul rubens to presumably go eat and i really hope that this is what inspired kitten poker in season six because <laughs> it's very silly it is. <laughs> i'll be having a snack <laughs> just it's like we get it you're evil you're eating a kitten okay <laughs> whatever <laughs> but it's just like it is just so ridiculous. <laughs> it is really ridiculous. Uh, 
Yeah, also ridiculous. This thing where David Arquette, what's his name? Benny. Benny. Yes. Has been turned into a vampire and like shows up at Pike's house and is like, let me in, whatever. And Pike is like, what the fuck is going on? And like, is sort of clocking the fact that he's like outside of his like fourth, fourth floor window. And mm-hmm. he asks the question, you on something in a way that <laughs> indicates both are you standing on something how are you up here and also are you on drugs simultaneously love it yeah that scene is deeply funny it's great <laughs> i'm just so here for whatever that random basketball player who slaps buffy on the ass and then she like flips him onto the floor and then shoves him against the locker i'm like yes yes they reused that in the show with Larry, right? Pretty sure she does that to Larry in either season one or season two. Because when you've got something perfect, you know, don't break it. Yeah. And, who does, and you know, we love to see all the time. Love to see. She does some very excellent smashing of the patriarchy, literally, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the vampires, when they're just like not doing anything move like non-playable characters in a video (laughs) (laughs) they sure do (laughs) Uh, when there's that whole group of them crashing the dance and they're like standing in a semicircle and they're all just like just like undulating and you're like why are you doing that (laughs) or like yeah like somehow fiddling one is like fiddling with a chain around their neck and it's just like a very strange like it's so funny oh my god um all right so there's a scene where buffy steals a bike from a biker and she like kicks him off his bike and steals his bike and this biker calls her a dyke and i honestly think it's hilarious because i'm like did a mean butch do this to you before and like beat you up and steal your (laughs) bike because if so good for her (laughs) Yeah, it's that scene. Oh, my God. Hang on. I just have to find where I have my note about that. Oh, because the thing that he says before, because they're like catcalling her or whatever. And he's like, you want to feel real power between your legs or something like that? And she's like, yes, I do. And then like throws him off his motorcycle and steals it. Incredible. Yeah. Just no notes. (laughs) What an amazing, amazing thing. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And all in all, that dude deserves to have his bike stolen by a vampire slayer and then crashed into a parade float. It's very confusing. <laughs> it is confusing. Anyway. I feel like this movie definitely like feels like it was directed by a woman. And I think that's important to note. Wait, was it? I didn't even check. Twas indeed. Uh, okay, so my last thing is... While the credits while the credits are rolling, uh, all of the students who survived the vampires attacking their one of their senior dances, they're all asking people what happened. <laughs> and this incredibly topical line, uh, or like still relevant line from one of the students, is like, they had this look in their eyes, totally cold, animal. I think they were young Republicans. <laughs> oh my god, I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> he said. Oh my god, still relevant. <laughs> oh my god, incredible. 
So just now to all of our Gen Z listeners, yes, we've always known that Republicans have sucked. <laughs> yeah, my last thing is that I love the scene where the, the Nicolas Cage vampire dies. Like, <laughs> for like a full minute. It's that's so silly. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Uh, apparently it was ad-libbed by Paul Rubitz. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Because I'm like, how do you, like, decide to put that in your movie? That makes so much sense, and I love that they kept it. So listeners, he, she, like, stakes him, and he dies, like, really slowly. They don't they don't uh, turn into dust in this. They just are bodies on the ground, which is incredible. But yeah, um, he's just like, ugh. Uh, uh, and then like falls to the ground and then the scene keeps going and then he just like <laughs> pops back up behind her and just like continues doing that for like I think he's like owie seconds. in one of those scenes <laughs> yeah. he's like kicking the wall going owie owie <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah if you if you keep watching the credits after all after all after the like news report of what happened at this event you still have him dying it's really fun oh my god i didn't watch the credits ah that was a mistake yeah this movie's so great welcome to the cemetery where we talk about character development uh, do you want to talk about our particular character? Yes, I do. I like how she's just basically a less mean Cordelia. <laughs> I that yes, that's exactly my first note because in Buffy the show, at some point, she's talking to Willow and Xander, I think, and Xander, and talking about like who she was before she knew that she was the Slayer, and she says that she was kind of like Cordelia actually, and then. You know, there. that's one of those moments where you're like, oh, the show is at least somewhat in the same universe as, as this movie. Um, because we open, like the opening of her in the mall with her friends where she's like mad that she got a C on her history test. And she's like, why do I need to know about El Salvador? I'm never going to go to Spain anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So good. It's so good, and it's just so exactly a Cordelia line. Yeah, I feel like a lot of her lines in the first half of this movie are before she learns about her slayerness is very Cordelia. It's beautiful. And I also think just like also like Cordelia, like she's sort of the head of their clique, and she's also smarter than her like ditzier friends, you know, but sort of like maybe downplaying it because it's not cool you know mm-hmm. yeah the part where she's yelling at merrick because she doesn't want to be the slayer and whatever and she's like i think it's that i think she's talking to merrick where she like she states what her like her future is she has her future mapped out she wants to graduate from high school go to europe marry christian slater and then die and you're like beautiful what a what a beautiful set of goals to have i want yeah nothing else for you <laughs> i know i do have to say i think that she takes the whole slayer thing shockingly well 
I mean, obviously there's some like scenes where she's just sort of like having a hard time trying to reconcile the like frivolous stuff in her life that she used to care about, like this dance and being a cheerleader with like the sort of overwhelming, like my eyes have been open to the like this darkness underneath, this like darkness and evil underneath my worldview. Which I feel like is very relatable. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like, I mean, it feels very, yeah, re- relevant, relatable. Um and I kind of feel like she has a better, what do I want to say? I feel like our Buffy, show Buffy, has like really given up on the ability to like have things in her life other than slaying. And every once in a while, she'll like try to have something other than slaying and it just gets taken away from her again. But like this Buffy is just like so correct that she needs to be able to both like be on the prom committee and slay vampires if she has to. And, you know, she also can't have that, but she tries really hard. And I feel like that's admirable because like you, you have to have both. (laughs) Like You just have to. And like, I feel like sort of, I mean, I don't want to say like frivolous just, but to be just like these sort of, things in her life that bring her joy, like, is is important. And I think that is, like, whenever we're all saying, like, the importance of self-care, not in the, like, capitalist, buying a bunch of shit kind of way, but in the, like, actually taking time for yourself, especially when bombarded with the many terrible things in the world and the men and the sort of structure of bones that, American society and a lot of other societies are sort of propped up on it's sort of like how could you care about a dance and it's like but you need to because you need that or else you're just going to be consumed with I don't know just the sort of overwhelming feeling of it like it it provides meaning in a sort of world where it's like everything's trying to kill us yeah so yeah exactly no, I think you're right. I think uh, show Buffy could learn a little bit from this Buffy. And it's it's like honestly kind of a shame because like think about for a minute if we had seen in the show Buffy try to like continue to be a cheerleader and like having to like and obviously the balance of that with her slaying would be like so much. But then she would have another not only like outlet of like something that she's interested in, but she would also have like a bit of an extent extended support group of friends, even if they didn't totally all know about her. I mean, that's a lie. Open secret that she's a slayer at at Sunnydale High anyway. So like maybe you could have been like, you could have met some other witches or magical people, or even just people like Cordelia who like aren't magical, but are just like really good about other things in your life. So. I don't know. I kind of I kind of wish that for Buffy, I think. Same. Um, listeners, if you hear snoring in the background, it's because Rufio is extremely asleep and snoring quite loudly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I can't hear it from here, but maybe maybe when I listen to the, the draft of this, it'll come up. I'm trying to see if it's registering on my audacity. Hang on. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, yeah. So, do you want to talk about Pike? Let's talk about Pike. 
he's the first person in the Buffyverse that we have ever seen have a logical reaction to finding out about vampires. He's just like, I am out. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Yes, which is excellent, number one. And I think also number two, if we assume that sort of broad strokes, this is a spiritual prequel to the show, I think it also then leads weight to your something is in Sunnydale that prevents people from leaving. Because you would think that if you lived in Sunnydale and you learned about vampires, you'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go where there's someplace where there's not a bunch of vampires. Right. <laughs> you know? And so for him to be like, packing my entire life and I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yes, of course, that's what you would do. Yep. And then he can't. His van breaks down and... I mean, try to take a van that he is probably built from scrap car parts off-roading <laughs> was like his first mistake. Yeah. I was just like watching it. I'm like, dude, you're vacant now. No. <laughs> you're worried about it starting up on the highway. Taking it into the grass is just game. It's going to be game over anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get the impression that it was going to make it out of town, even if he hadn't driven it into a tree because it had just like you know, stalled out and refused to start, like, for no reason before that even happened. I do have to say, going back to the scene when Ben, David Arquette, comes to, like, eat him or whatever, and he's just like, Ben, go home. You're floating. Come on, man. And, like, it's just... (laughs) It's like, go home, you're drunk, but it's like, go home, you're a vampire. (laughs) I'm just like, what? Very chill in the face of, I mean, both both very chill and also like, fuck this, I'm out, like simultaneously, which is kind of a really great combination of, of things. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love that, I mean, I'll bring it up again in, in Spike's Crypt, but like Benny is just like so clearly in love with Pike and like item one on his vampire to-do list is like, go turn his love interest into a vampire oh yeah i actually i have that here because i had some stuff about ben about his yeah very obvious crush okay, but I can... yeah let's talk about it wait before we do that i just want to point out the obvious that it's just really great that pike is the damsel in distress turn psych mm-hmm. <laughs> just what what a good what a good uh male role which is damsel turned psychic absolutely he has like a full personality makeover which is a little bit confusing because he goes from like drunk douchebag at the beginning of the movie to like very smart but not totally competent sidekick like well very well-intentioned absolutely qualified to be the love interest whereas he starts as this like shit-faced misogynist (laughs) you know part of me assumes is that halfway through the movie probably around the time when like he like crashed at buffy's house because paul rubens tried to murder him is that he like sobered up like he was like he stopped drinking whatever well alcohol is in his flask and he stopped smoking and he sobered up to reflect on what is happening in his life and he's like oh fuck Mm -hmm. That tracks. Um, Because, yeah, because he's so much more, I think, sort of clear-headed the rest of the movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you stop drinking because you're like, I can't be drunk 
with vampires around. Yeah, and he replaced the alcohol in his flask with holy water, like a smart yes. boy. What? I know. <laughs> so <good>. So competent. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I see what I'm talking about, Benny. Yeah, uh, Ben, a.k.a. Punk David Arquette, uh, is bi, queer, because he is clearly into Luke Perry. <laughs> He's into Pike. He, like, literally casually is like, another drink and I'd want to fuck you, man. And I'm like, is that a thing that straight dudes say to each other when they're drunk? Because I don't think it is. Great question. And the fact that Pike responds with like, yeah, but then you'd never call me makes me feel like he also is like kind of in the same boat, but they're both like having to pretend that they're joking. And then who knows where it would have gone if Ben had not passed out and been eaten by a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, when Ben becomes a vampire, he's just so obsessed with turning Pike, which is, I mean... At this point in vampire media is erotic. It's like, it's sexy. It's like sexual. And so it's right. just like, you just want to turn your friend and then like be together forever and form a band. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, <laughs> it's like both like, it's like fucked up, but also like cute, but also sad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, RIP Ben. I'm sorry that he did not get to hook up with Pike. He was very attractive. So yeah. I don't have anyone else here. I only really have a brief thing about Lothos. Okay. With just him being such a drama queen. It feels very actually a lot like the master in season one, which I haven't seen much of season one, but I really love the master because he just seems like a drama queen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just love that. I think that the master is like very directly pulled from this plot line um we don't get a lot of it at the beginning but there is the whole thing where it's like the peewee herman vampire what is his name i at no point did i catch the minion's name you know i saw it when i was looking up stuff i keep wanting to say amelie emil something with an a and a y i don't know anyway that one um he's like raising him first from something you know he's like been out of commission and is like being re reborn and like an, an army of vampires is being built up and whatever and that's like basically exactly the premise of season one of buffy and they do have very similar vibes the master is definitely scarier than this guy who seems more fit to be like playing the phantom in the phantom of the opera than being a vampire he just wants to like fling himself around and like profess things and doesn't seem to have any interest in biting anyone (laughs) i mean he brought a violin with a fight to the slayer just to just literally just for dramatic purposes yeah which listeners he plays when buffy stabs paul rubin (laughs) he does (laughs) which is like rude because clearly Paul Rubin has been like his loyal servant slash whatever uh, for a very long time yeah welcome to April Fool where we talk about fashion this this 
I try to keep this section manageable or else I would have commented on literally every single look everyone has. Um, I didn't write down any specific outfits. So I wrote down some like, uh, oh no, that's not true. I wrote down one, but um, some like place-based things. But like overall, my first thing is just like, why are the late 90s back when the early 90s were right there? Because this is so much more fun. So much neon, so much color blocking, so much. Okay, so I want to start off. I think it's maybe the first scene we have Buffy and her Slayerettes, Cordettes, whatever, her group on an escalator and Hillary's. The face. multicolored striped vest where it's like a bunch of like really narrow uh, vertical lines and they're each different colors and it's like a like a denim vest maybe it's beautiful it's so beautiful actually everyone's denim jacket in the escalator scene was on point one of the buffets has a like daisies embroidered in the collar of her denim jacket i think i owned every single one of these outfits for my Barbies in the early 90s. Like, it all looked so familiar. And I'm like, I think I've seen a teeny tiny version of this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it all definitely looks like doll clothing, but like in the best way. Absolutely. Yeah, I, when they panned in on that yellow motorcycle jacket, I'm like, I have never wanted anything more in my entire life than that yellow this like sunshine yellow motorcycle jacket. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Not at all five minutes ago, as they claim, but it's a ruse so that one of them can go back and buy it and stop Buffy from buying it. It's so rude. I know. It's so rude. But I'm also like, that's a really cute jacket. I maybe would not have done that in high school, but I would have thought about it. <laughs> I mean, point is, motorcycle jackets, no matter the color, never go out of style. Like, True. leather jackets never have gone out of style. So, I, I own one. Yeah, I am still looking for my perfect motorcycle jacket since I have tragically lost several <laughs> in, oh, my, no. in the past 20 years. That is tragic. Yeah. I got mine... I had been looking for one for years and never found one that fit me. And... Then when I went to London, like literally everyone was wearing one. And that also meant that every single thrift store that I went in had like 30. I was like, there's no way I'm going home without one of these because like there is one in this city that fits me. And I found one. Yeah, I think actually the first mm, like leather jacket, it was the most jacket that I ever had. I got when I was like doing study abroad and like, yeah, I was like in a flea market and like the Netherlands and it was like 50 euros and I'm mm -hmm. like that is so ridiculously cheap yes I will have one of those thank yep, you exactly <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> yeah let's go through some more outfits 
Um, there's a scene where Buffy is wearing a knit crop, like a green knit crop top with flowers. And then she has complimentary translucent plastic green earrings that are maybe stars. Flawless. Just fucking flawless. Yeah. I'm like, when is translucent plastic stuff coming back in a style? Because that is one thing from, that is definitely one thing from the 90s that I've always loved. And I'm waiting for it to come back. I'm sure that there are people who are still making things like that, though. Like, yeah, people send us your Etsy shop uh, recommendations for Jesse. What specifically are you looking for, though? Like, you don't have pierced ears. What would you wear? Well, okay. So I really want to get just one of my ears. Well, I had it pierced once and then it healed. So I need to get it re-pierced. So I can have one dangly earring oh, yeah. because I need to look hella gay. <laughs> so really like dangly earrings are what I'm looking for. So when I inevitably get my ear re-pierced, I just don't want people to look at me and think that I'm not anything but gay. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I understand. That's why I only wear ear like earrings in my second third fourth holes in one of my ears because i'm like if i put them in both ears like what would people think that's ridiculous (laughs) no that's fair yeah so like i said i don't have outfit things my um my first non-outfit thing is that buffy's house is truly diabolical it is a crime against humanity it is some really hideous rich people shit. Cause like the house is fucking huge. And it's like, right. It's like, what is, what is all this shit? Every surface, this- every framed picture, everything on every small table is floral. Not one single thing matches anything else, but it is all hideous floral. It It is, it's unforgivable. Like her mom should be sent to prison. I mean, I would assume, given the fact that her parents are never there and they're clearly very wealthy, that they just hired someone to d- design the house and they didn't do it. And whoever no. that person was did a shitty job. Her mom definitely had a say. Like, they probably hired a designer, but the designer would have worked very closely with Buffy's mom to, like, bring it to life. And this just was in, in the early 90s. Yeah, this is why I always laugh when I when I see a show or a movie that's made now and it's set in the 90s and I'm like this house isn't ugly enough. <laughs> yeah. <for real>. <laughs> <sighs> um speaking of ridiculous homes, can we talk about the vampire layer that Lothos is? <laughs> <laughs> like LED light up coffin that he's <laughs> There's like weird like 80s modern like statues and like vases in the back. It's very strange. It's so but I, weird. I kind of love it though because it's it's like so weird and it's kind of like weird shape. Like those kind of shapes are like coming back also into style. Like I see, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of hip like Instagram vintage stores out of like LA who are like posting like 80s lamps and shit like that and like so I feel like that look is coming back into style so I was just like oh this layer is really great (laughs) um okay so I don't know I don't know where this this first fight with Lothos happens like is it an amusement park is it like a parade float storage I don't know, but it's so magical and gorgeous and everything is 
like what a great place to have a giant battle there's like a pegasus and just gauzy big gauzy stuff it's it's really lovely i want to go there i i think i my initial thought was yeah like weird parade storage area and they only say that because the like the detroit thanksgiving parade I think back when I was a kid, they would have weird events at like their at the air, at the like warehouse where they store all the parade floats and like the weird like costumes and like giant paper mache heads that they would have some of the people on. And so and it was very weird, like mm-hmm. seeing a parade up like a parade float up close in like a warehouse is a very surreal. I lived in New Orleans, I know, but it was super cool. So I'm like, this definitely feels like a parade, like wherever they have like just the parade floats at. that makes way more sense just because everything's so close together too yeah. you know it 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 wouldn't make sense for it to be some sort of park because their things are like 12 feet apart from each other so yeah and i think if, if i think it was supposed to be like an amusement park there'd be more amusement park like noticeably amusement park stuff yeah you know? that makes sense so so not so it's not like the climatic battle of birds of prey <laughs> And it's its own. But it kind of is. It has the same sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. It's not as fun because it really just fizzles out. That scene is weird. <laughs> we will return to this conversation in a different segment. Yeah. It's your turn. When Lothos first shows up, I feel like he looks, the way that his hair is styled, he looks like a sort of, I don't know, like washed out color inverse Edgar Allan Poe. Like he's like super blonde, but the way that his like hair is shaped is seems reminds me of sort of the very well known silhouette of Edgar Allan Poe. I believe it. That makes sense. He does seem to have sort of pulled from like literally everything in history that's vaguely associated with like gothness to assemble his his look, which yeah just makes it end up like so silly in a way that I really love. I know he's one of those like campy medallions that I feel like cheap Halloween costume vampires have, which must be a reference from some old vampire movie, I'm assuming, like an old Dracula movie. And a full like red-lined cape too. That right, <sighs> that, when he's like floating from somewhere, he like spreads out so he can dramatically float down and I'm like Oh my god. <laughs> That's exactly like, what he's hoping to inspire in you, so it worked. <laughs> it's like you might as well have like RuPaul work it playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> or not work it cover girl. Whatever. Whatever pick whatever drag queen anthem of your choice to play yeah. behind. <laughs> um I love the scene where Pike shaves his douchey little soul patch so that he can be worthy of going to the not prom with Buffy. Yeah, I was like, because I was, I put in my notes, I'm like, Pike is actually really attractive except for that fucking soul patch. And then he like showers and shaves and I'm like, yes, now you have gone from the sidekick slash damsel in distress to the love interest. (laughs) Yeah, he puts his hair back. Totally, totally James Deaning it. It's great. Yeah, it like really makes me understand why like Luke Perry was such a heartthrob like in the 90s. And like, yeah. I mean, honestly, even now, like before he died, he was like a, kind of a like hot older dude. Anyway, <laughs> there is one scene 
I think maybe after Buffy and the buffets find out that one of their own has been eaten by a vampire, mm-hmm. one of the girls is wearing a rainbow plaid blazer. Yes. And I I think literally gasped out loud. <laughs> that was like the only outfit that I wrote down because it was so good. And then I was like, I can't just have one outfit. So then I deleted it. But yes, I, like, it's, oh my God, so beautiful. I'm like, I want that. <laughs> um, I mean, in a different cup, I think at the cut of it, it's a little bit too femme for me, but like a rainbow plaid blazer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, this is my last thing here. It's just that Buffy wears a wedding dress to the dance. I think this is the only outfit that I don't like is like her weird poofy. Yeah, but this like really elaborate white dress. It's like, this isn't isn't even prom. This is just like the first dance of the school year or whatever. Yeah. And it is literally a wedding dress. Like no one would wear that to a dance you get married it has a removable train that's a wedding dress this is what happens when you don't have time to go shopping for your dress because you're too busy maybe it's her mom's wedding dress and she just had to borrow and she's just like fuck you mom uh it does look better with the leather jacket and the train ripped off for sure because all of that like poofy tool you're just like what what are you doing? Like you would not, someone like Buffy would not roll up into that dance in a dress that did not show off her incredible legs. Like, it sure showed off her incredible tits though. <laughs> this is true. Very pushed up. And like her, with her hair pulled back, I'm like the style, like the way that she styled herself looks good. But yeah, the dress I was like, this is a choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a good choice. Um, And I think my last thing is just, the very goth, like the goth teen vampires who show up. <laughs> oh I'm just like, I love all these looks. I'm just like, it's so, it's just so 90s goth and it makes me very mm-hmm. They're so funny. Yeah. It's, it's like you guys really robbed both a hardware store, motorcycle store, and a Hot Topic for all of these Welcome to the Magic Box, where we rant about stuff. Only, only a cis man (laughs) could write menstrual cramps as a warning system for vampires. I, like, lost my entire mind. I'm like, Joss Whedon, menstrual cramps hurt as much as a heart attack. That is like you writing... Oh, that feeling that you have, like you're having a heart attack. That's your body's reaction to the unnaturalness of vampires. It's a built-in warning system. No, no, that would make her incapable of doing slaying. What the fuck? I also hated that. (laughs) I was just like, I'm sorry, what? I just just can't, I cannot... I'm so glad that someone at some point between the movie and the show was like, just no. Like, what the fuck? Have you never talked to someone who has cramps? Like, how did you, how, how did this happen? 
Okay, so not only does this is that ridiculous and not make any sense, and also the added like gender essentialism of it all. But I'm like, but then if you were having period cramps, how would you know how would you know which one is a vampire and which one is just your uterus being the worst? Like some people have cramps their entire period. Like that is that what a shitty warning system. Terrible. Are you telling me? <laughs> Two to five days out of the month, I cannot tell if a vampire is near or if it's just my uterus is just being the worst. No, no. For real. It, yes, it's like shocking. I don't know. I, like, I just um, find it. And I do, I do feel like it is only in the past like five to seven years that cis men have even started to understand that like cramps hurt and i think a lot of that is is down to the thing that the like study or whatever that they did where they're like putting the little electrical nodes on on dude's stomachs and like being like this is what cramps feel like and then being like wait what the fuck like what the fuck you go to work you like live your life feeling like this constantly which somehow still hasn't resulted in them in like society being like you know what don't come to work that day actually yeah i mean that would that would require the u.s being a society that cared about people and not profits unfortunately (sighs) yeah what a yeah definitely a misstep in the the world building yeah i mean I haven't read the original script, but apparently between Josh Wheaton's original script, it went through a lot of rewrites. I don't know if this was originally in there or not. So, but whoever came up with it is garbage. I, this was one of the things that shocked me the most when I realized that this was directed by a woman where I was like, and she let this stay in the movie? What? Maybe she thought it was empowering. I don't know. It was the early 90s. It was the early 90s. God, what a tragic sentence. <laughs> I know. I know. The, the, the third wave is kind of a trip in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Okay, what do you have? Um, I just have, I think my first thing is Pike really feels like sort of the genesis of Buffy's taste in dudes which unfortunately unlike pike end up being terrible after Mm -hmm. this it's like soft boys who are interested in slang and also have dark hair i don't know (laughs) yeah he's like the rare good version of those dudes seemingly he seems fine he seems concerned and interested and faithful you know like whatever not just using her to some nefarious ends like many of those dudes that she dates in the show. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Merrick, is that the watcher's name? Yes. He, you know, Giles doesn't do the best job of introducing himself in the show where he just like slams down the vampire book and is like, this is your destiny. Turns out, in comparison, he is crushing it. Because this dude, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> yeah, I was definitely just like, 
who keeps letting this like random old dude into the gym into the girl's locker room it's like good thing he's just here to tell buffy about her sacred calling but like what <laughs> i it's so creepy <laughs> and then it's also just wild because he's just like did he really think walking up to a random teen girl to be like hey you want to come to a cemetery with me it's part of your sacred calling and her to just be like uh no stranger danger i'm not gonna do that <laughs> like what what did he think was gonna happen you know i feel like maybe this is referring back to what we were talking about earlier where he's like can i please stop being reincarnated as a watcher where like he maybe at this point he's just fucking phoning it in he's like i am so tired like maybe he used to do a better job and at this point he's just like she's gonna get around to it eventually she's literally chosen i don't have to do a good job i'm just (laughs) you know that is true he's like it's gonna happen anyway like i just show up and get the ball sort of rolling right either that or this one dies and i just move on to the next one who cares (laughs) yeah because like he really could have started about the weird dreams part where she was like how do you know about that? How come I keep dreaming about me being a vampire slayer? <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah, he's intense. Um, my next point is actually also about Merrick. Okay. Which is, what a fucking pointless ass death. This dude shows up with, oh my God, what is Lothos? He doesn't have any holy water. He has like a cross on his stake. But I'm like, if you're gonna like try to deflect the attention from Buffy like you could do something besides just walk up to Lothos and sort of like slow motion try to try to stake him dude (laughs) so this 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 scene is where I just like lost the plot I I don't know it none of it made any sense it just literally for like at least half of the part where Merrick is still alive in that scene I was like, oh, is he evil? Because him and Lothos are, like, vibing and, like, just kind of talking. And he's like, no, she's not ready yet. And Lothos is like, yeah, she's not ready yet. And I'm like, wait, are you, did, is this a setup? Like, what's going on here? And I don't think that, I don't think that that was what was happening. But also it kind of felt like those two have, like, are, like, in cahoots and also maybe, like, wanted to kiss a little bit. Right? It's really weird. (laughs) it was a very it was a very weirdly acted scene and that's why i'm just like what is happening why is everybody just walking up to lothos like he's you know the most magical amazing thing you could ever want and i'm just like what what is going on yeah merrick how did you go down so easily what is happening right and like is he even really dead maybe he just like went back to the lair and is like waiting for his boyfriend i don't know it's really weird and then lothos is just like yeah she's not ready we're all leaving i'm like why what why i don't understand what's going on at all yeah yeah i don't know I do feel like, so this is only the second thing I've ever seen with Donald Sutherland in it, I think, at least that I know of. And the first thing is Animal House, which I used to watch a lot in high school. And now I'm like, oh my God, I would die if I tried to watch that movie. What a fucked up movie. Anyway. Yeah, it is. I watched it a few times in college because I lived in a house that felt like Animal House in a way that like is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Would, Would not recommend. 
Um, and yeah, I don't, I would not watch it now. You couldn't pay me to watch it now. Absolutely not. But I will say he does kind of feel like even when he's like just teaching class in that and not like actively trying to seduce a student, he kind of feels like he's flirting. So I'm like, maybe this is just like him. Like it feels oh, like Donald, he's flirting. Yeah. Donald Sutherland? Yeah. So maybe it feels like he's flirting with Lothos because that's just kind of like how he is in a room. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's also Snow in the Hunger Game movies. Oh, that's right. Yes, I forgot that he was Snow. He's very creepily effective as Snow. Mm-hmm. Like A plus casting in that regard. Uh, so I just have one more rant. Okay. Which is, we unfortunately, when America's trying to connect with Buffy about her Slayer dreams, she's like, oh yes, the Slayer dream where I was in a slave person on a big farm. And I'm like, oh, I'm really glad we don't get any more into this. Nor does this ever come up in the show because I would not trust anyone but Black people to, to write a show about an enslaved Slayer or any kind of story or narrative. Winnie, I'll feed you when we're done. We'll be done soon. Yes. Um, but I was definitely like, I was like, oh no, where is this going? <laughs> yeah, same. My heart stopped. I was, I was like, like, please, please don't. Please, just, just please stop. Please shut your mouth right now. And thank God they did. So. Yeah, it was very brief. So I just had, I just like cringe a little bit, but I was like, this is an interesting idea that I would not want anyone not no one involved with the writing of this movie or the television show to even attempt (laughs) absolutely not so uh yeah um yeah the the i lost the plot thing was my last thing here but we i didn't mention the part where like as he's dying he's like you know keep doing everything wrong you're great which is very cute and like you know kind of kind of show vibes but he's like listen for the music to stop and then like when she's fighting what's his face and she's like under his thrall and she's like the music stopped and then she's like not under his thrall anymore but the music was like the dj at the dance and then this is like has actually nothing to do with the plot i was like what yeah i don't get that either (laughs) okay great it's so confusing yeah yeah it doesn't it does not make any sense for sure Welcome to Spike's Crypt, where we talk about sexy stuff. I mean, I've already mentioned that Pike looks great when he cleans up. Uh, Beforehand, like his sort of like grungy look was minus the soul patch. The soul patch was really just like, oh my God, dude. But definitely when he's wearing his leather jacket and his like little like patterned vest for the dance where he puts in some effort, I'm like, "Mm, yes, Mm -hmm. I too would get on the back of a motorcycle with you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that you can help me understand this scene where he has gone home with Buffy after being rescued by, from some vampires. And she's like explaining everything to him a little bit. And she's like, and then you end up like standing in your living room with some strange man, like telling him about your problems or something. And then he's like, are you calling me a man? And then the music gets like really like sexy and like tense. And then she's like looking at him and he's looking at her. You know, okay. I I think that that is because he's probably her age. Like he's probably also 17 or 18, you know? Uh-huh. And just like, 
living this sort of on the fringe life and it'd be like oh, you think i'm an adult you know kind of like oh, no one is a no girl has ever thought of me as an adult before That's okay so, so cool. when when my mind immediately went to that part in shrek where fiona refers to donkey as shrek's steed and he's like did you hear that she thinks i'm a steed like that's what's happening here that is what's <laughs> that's so silly <laughs> it, it truly is it truly really is <laughs> and i'm so glad that you just brought up a Trek reference for that because yes <laughs> oh my god this movie all right great <sighs> do you have anything else here um i don't okay is there's not as much sexy things in this movie as you would think, I guess. No, and we've kind of covered a lot of them already. Uh, my last thing is just the fact that they are, like, making out on the dance floor at this at this not prom. Which is why everyone's like, ugh. <laughs> like, I don't want to see you, like, <laughs> shove your tongue down this dude's throat, Buffy. <laughs> yeah, it's really intense. <laughs> I mean, I guess good for her, though, because her old boyfriend seems like a complete douchebag. So. I was going to say, it is like the best revenge for like getting broken up with at prom is to be like, well, my new boyfriend's like way hotter. And also we're just going to like go to like second base on the fucking dance floor right now. Bye. Yes. Yeah. So. I mean, he did bring up her via voicemail. I'm like, dude, that's so cold. But like she didn't get the voicemail. So effectively, he dumped her at prom by yeah. bringing one of her the buffets to prime as his date. Yeah. <laughs> so, what a dick. Welcome to the library where we research things. I changed it to encompass all of the things that we do here. Okay, that's cool. Cause I have neither uh, science or history here. I just have some stuff about some fun trivia about the movie. Great. <laughs> uh, do you want me to start? Sure. Yeah. Or do you want to start? I just have a bunch of weird observations about, or observations about the weirdness of how vampire lore works in this. All right. So I will start off with the continuity of this movie into the show canon, in which since Josh Wheaton's original script was rewritten a lot for the actual final product of the movie. This is more of a spiritual prequel. Um, I mean, we have Buffy reference her old high school in LA and like, I don't know if we, I don't know if she ever mentions like a previous watcher, but we do mention, she does mention like slaying vampires in LA before she moves to Sunnydale. But the show makes a more direct reference to Joss Whedon's original script in which Buffy burns down the gym in order to stop all the vampires, which ends up being a plot of a one of the comics, which is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer origin, which is a more direct adaptation of Wheaton's original strip, original script, and also involves like Merrick and Pike and Lothos and like her and Pike slaying vampires and being cute together. Interesting. Yeah, so whenever you hear about Buffy referencing her past before Sunnydale, she's not totally referencing the events of this movie, but Pike and Merrick are still, like, in her, and Lothos are still, like, in her background. Cool. Um, yeah, so I just, like, 
these vampires are so different from like any vampire I've ever seen. They they don't turn to ash when you stake them. They just are bodies. They're not flammable, seemingly, at all. Like, not even as much as we are. Like, you can light their hair on fire. It just goes out. Yeah. And, like a scared lizard, body parts just come off if they're in <laughs> distress. What? Wait, I thought, I thought that Paul Rubin's arm came off because he had his arm through the van and the force of hit of pike hitting the tree like shoves him off of the roof of the van but his arm is still like is like trapped i don't know if you know about like skin and muscles and the way that our bones are held inside of our bodies but like ripping an arm off of your body would not happen in that circumstance you know you're right i think it really is more like a lizard dropping its tail you know, but it doesn't seem like his arm is going to regrow, but it seems also like not a big deal that he no longer has an arm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the vampires in this movie are very weird. I think, I mean, I feel like the stakes and the flying are the only like sort of traditional vampire stuff that we get. And I know that, and I'm assuming the flying bot bit is a more like direct reference to the lost boys because I, I again i haven't read dracula which maybe i should just fucking do this year but like flying in the window being like you know let me in is is like directly ripped off from the lost boys so i still need to watch that movie it's not bad keith or sutherland <laughs> is in it playing yeah. the head vampire um i don't know it's like it's like kind of fun it looks really cool yeah i'm gonna watch it I'm putting it on my to-do list. Cool. Do you have anything else here? Um, I just have one more thing, a bit of trivia, which is part of the script rewrites uh, is that Donald Sutherland just randomly rewrote a lot of his own dialogue, which we didn't hated. <laughs> and I'm like, it is kind of a dick move, but I kind of love that in any way. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's one of Joss Whedon's least favorite things is people having their own ideas about literally anything having to do with his work. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I love that. I love having someone who's like, no, I'm more famous and more powerful than you. And like, what are you going to do? Stop me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. (laughs) No, it's pretty funny. Um, And I think that uh, Joss... Whedon still hates Donald Sutherland because in the comic, uh, Merrick looks completely different. Like, it does not look anything at all. That's so funny. I'm just like... (laughs) If there's one thing that can be said about Jaws Whedon is that he is so petty. He is the pettiest motherfucker. And, like, sometimes it comes out really funny. Like, with that... That's pretty funny. And also the fact that in the comics, he made Dawn a giant as a fuck you to everyone who hates Dawn. Like, that's so petty. I kind of love it. But also sometimes it comes out in really terrible ways, like with Spike. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he like wrote the first two or maybe three Avengers movies and definitely made some choices that were just like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? 
Yeah, he is definitely someone who does not need to be given any more no projects. And like, I'm just like, I'm like, why did anyone even hire him for these like giant franchises? And especially, this is totally off topic. It's deeply annoying because like, and because it's Joss Whedon, like the dialogue is very Joss Whedon. And so a whole bunch of like subsequent Marvel movies are people to varying degrees of success trying to match that dialogue and like failing a lot Mm -hmm. of the times and i'm just like you guys could just not do that (laughs) and the best ones don't do that you know so yeah anyway this is a (laughs) joss whedon hate podcast (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah all right what a fun conversation Thank you all so much for listening to this very special bonus episode of Escape from Reality. Um, Details about our summer camp flyer contest will be in the show notes along with all of the things. So please make sure to check that out if you are interested. We will be back in two weeks with your regularly scheduled programming. And until next time, Scottamoosh.